Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Hey. And of course, we have Will Rotondi hanging out with the Sharks. <laughs> hey, how's it going, man? Sticking sides already. on today's episode if you couldn't tell we are going to be talking about the west side story 1961 of course the original adaptation and uh of course drawing a side quest as well but first i wanted to hear how how uh excuse me what my co-hosts i should say have been watching and how, how you guys are doing in general we had a little bit of a hiatus due to some scheduling snafus so Sorry for the one week break, but we're back. Who would like to go first? <laughs> uh, I can go first because I was sick this week and watched a ton of TV. Um, right. I started by watching Megan, finally, which was amazing. It is everything I wanted out of a horror comedy. And like ages really well, given everything going on with AI right now, I think. And I like the... I don't want to spoil it, but the the take on AI and like how it's used to help people who are like going through it is interesting and like all too real. Like if you think of all the AI chat therapy apps that are out there like right now and things like that. So yeah, it's a good movie, uh, funny and also very relevant. And then I watched an entire season of one of the only reality TV shows that I actually enjoy, and it's called The Traitor. And it is set in a Scottish castle. It is hosted by Floop from Spy Kids. And uh, rather than being like a dating show, it is kind of uh, like, you know, the party game mafia. It's like that. Okay. Um, And there's lots of Macbeth references and uh the basic goal is just to be the last person standing but if there are any traitors in your midst and that you haven't like voted out they take all of the money at the end and it was very entertaining to my feverish brain uh would recommend whether you're sick or not <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun i know there was like a reality tv show uh, gosh like back when i was in college called the mole that sounded kind of similar where there's like one person was like you know the inside person i don't remember the rules or anything but i'm down for stuff like that like that's fun because it's like you know like that they're playing a game and like it it sort of like allows you to embrace some of the artifice of reality tv without trying to be led to believe that everything that's happening is like all genuine and you know i don't know like some reality tv is just horrible but that sounds fun i get what you mean but that line does get blurred a little bit at times just because okay it's a game that happens like over the course of many days and you do see mm-hmm. like people who like thought they had friendships get portrayed and stuff like that. Um, so there is that like little bit of genuine drama in it as well. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> we love betrayal. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the board game and the concept. Both great. <laughs> Will, how about you? What have you been watching, bud? Uh, last couple of weeks, um, I've, I watched the, I think it's David Harbour, the, uh, Violent Night, the Santa Ooh. Claus is basically yes. 
John McClane or John Wick. Choose which John you want. Um, and like a, with like a little bit of Home Alone references thrown in there too, which was really funny. I think overall it's entertaining. I didn't go in there like expecting much of anything. And I was pleasantly surprised that I laughed about certain things as much as I did. I will say if I had to choose between that or Megan, I would 100% recommend Megan. If you're just looking for like mindless, goofy, like referencing Die Hard and referencing Home Alone action, then yeah, I'd, I'd say Violet Night. Sure. Why not? They're both on Peacock, I think. But um, but yeah, so there was that. And then I had never seen it before until recently. Uh, What's up, Doc? It's an old, um, I want to say back in the 60s uh, film. Is that one of the, the Marx Brothers movies? I, like, it might be. Familiar. I can't remember who directed it either. I'm just, I'm going to be terrible about it. I'm just going to say that right. it's. We're going to um, find out. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, pause, please, while I IMDb this. Oh, no, um, this is um, Barbara Streisand, mm-hmm. Brian O'Neill. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah and it's very slapstickish. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. I liked it more than I thought I would. But if you're if you're into slapstick and kind of like stuff that's just sort of like um a comedy of errors and just random stuff that keeps happening to people, then I would recommend that. It was pretty good. Um, so I'm continuing to watch The Last of Us. Uh mm-hmm. for about the millionth time I've I'm simultaneously watching The Wire and The Sopranos. The Sopranos with my friend Nathan, who has never seen the show, so it's been great to like. We we always watch like most of the the uh, season like apart, and then we come together like we're gonna do tonight for like the final two or three episodes, depending on what happens. And I kind of guide him. I'm like, ah, we can just do like the final two, or like in the case of tonight, I'm like, we need like the final three are definitely worth like watching together. Um, and then of course the wire is just a show that like I I love. Uh, so uh, TV wise, that's about it. Um, I saw RRR yesterday oh. in our local cinema. They brought it back. And I'm so glad I waited to see this like in a movie theater because it was just a great spectacle. And unlike anything like I've ever seen before, um, it's stylized action like that is like brand new, which is kind of like fresh when like you think you've seen it all for stylized action and that somebody can do something new with that kind of genre really really cool um i laughed my ass off i was charmed for the entire three hours which went by very quickly like i can't believe that's a three-hour movie just never feels like it at all and then i was shocked by how much heart there was um i am very glad that i got to see it in the original like language with the um subtitles because i guess the only version on netflix right now is the hindi like dub version um so like the language um that it's like dubbed over is hindi and i guess i don't know if this is true take this with a pinch of salt the couple that we saw with yesterday said that they don't always translate the lyrics to some of the songs which i feel is a huge disservice because like the songs um all kind of reminded me of like like you know like the opening of like an anime or the closing of an anime where they have like very poetic kind of things that tie into the, the story that was very much that um yeah, it's like one part musical, like, like I don't know, two parts like action adventure, uh, and just see it. I don't know. I don't like even if it, you have to settle for the the Netflix version, it's it's so so good. Like I, I mean, just was blown away by it. Um, I know it came out last year, so I I will now squeeze this into. I think that might be my second favorite movie of last year. Like everything, everywhere, all at once is still my favorite, but uh, I think it's gonna dethrone Top Gun Maverick for me. Um, that's how Ooh, good it was. So. Wow. That is high praise from you. 
<laughs> a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So see you if you can. Need, I don't know. I think we need more movies like that. I feel like you get waves of a lot of movies that take themselves very seriously. And we're finally hitting kind of like the reactionary phase where we're having movies that are just pure fun again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're like, listen, the themes of some of the stuff are serious at times, like, because it yeah. deals with like colonial, colonial, like, you know, like 1920s India. Um, but like, <laughs> it never gets too, too heavy. And I think it, like, you know, like, it's serious when it needs to be serious. And, uh, everything else that happens more than offsets, um, you know kind of like the the downer stuff but i just love that it, like it's an original movie you know like it's something that um has sort of like I, I don't know like the excitement factor and like hype level of like what i think like marvel thinks they do but like it's actually like you feel that <laughs> like my heart was pumping like at all like the right times and it felt like they're at real stakes um so i'm just glad to have like an original piece of content from another country that was really really cool to see like get the exposure and as an extra added delight i stumbled across a clip of uh james cameron and the director of rrr talking and uh the director of rrr uh, approached james cameron to gush about his work and then it turned into instead james cameron like gushing to this guy for like six or seven minutes about rrr and you could tell the guy's just in heaven he's just like oh my god like somebody i admire so much like he was like a mega you know giant for like big movies like loved my movie so much he's just in heaven and it's adorable i love that me too all right well hey let's draw a side quest and see what we got here I wonder if it'll be another new one. I hope so. You know, I, uh, <laughs> it is in fact not, but it's one we haven't had in a while. <laughs> so uh, it's guilty pleasure. So uh, very succinctly, just pick a guilty pleasure movie. Maybe one that, you know, is not as well regarded, maybe even bad. And, you know, movie that you enjoy anyway. Uh, this is kind of a, uh, no, I won't say like a, a cheating answer, but um, I, I'm going to say like most movies that are not the original Rocky and the and the Rocky franchise, like because they vary in quality from like close to as good, like some of them, a couple of them, most of them like teeter on awful. And there's a couple that I think you could firmly place into that category, but I still love them all. Like anyway, it's one of those franchises that I grew up with. They used to do marathons on TV all the time. And I I recognize that like they beat that franchise to death, like in terms of milking as much money as they could um, to the point where like if you do a marathon of like the Rocky movies, like even if you've never seen like the next one that you're watching, you can almost like anticipate exactly what's going to happen in terms of like the formula of the movie. Right. Um, but I love them anyway. The soundtrack's great. Some of those 80s like uh, soundtracks are really like fun and uh damned if you don't still like get a little bit of excited like when the final like boxing match happens um for those of you who have never seen any rocky movies the original rocky is a great uh indie film like by today's standards that is a character drama there is very little in the way of boxing like in it and it is definitely more about like life and sort of 
getting out of like bad circumstances and sort of like underdog uh, underdog odds and it's a very intimate movie that i think takes a lot of people by surprise if you've never seen it before most people probably imagine what the rest of them are which is like really flashy big budget fights and sort of like melodrama that uh works sometimes but usually is kind of like a little bit goofy and cringy um i see will not image i had (laughs) yeah yeah um which is not wrong i mean for like i said most of them i think the original rocky again like that is a masterpiece like hands down like one of the best like movies ever made it's really impressive uh rocky balboa maybe gets there like that was like like one of the final ones he did and then certainly i think like i haven't seen creed 3 but i've heard good things but the the first creed with like you know uh michael b jordan sort of taking the reins like doing something different having a different character at the forefront and putting rocky as like a mentor role was really really like smart you know i think but will i saw you nodding along have you seen some uh, of the rocky movies besides the original or like not at all well uh most of my nodding was just an acknowledgement to you sadly rocky is one of those films that i have not i haven't watched Oh, you know, truthfully, I haven't watched any of them, but I've seen wow. bits and pieces in passing, probably channel surfing, and I can like recognize certain scenes, like the end of the first Rocky movie where he's shouting Adrian, or like yeah. the guys that he fights against. Because doesn't he? He what's it's Dolph Lundgren's the Russian guy he fights. Oh against yeah, Rocky one, and then there's yeah, yeah Mr. And T. Then, yeah Mr. C. doesn't and did he, not dated at all it? that one <laughs> i know yeah <laughs> or uh was it carl weathers was he in one of those or no mm-hmm. he's in he's okay. in several of them yep okay nice he's all the right, original see? opponent so yeah nice oh through. awesome okay yeah, yeah. apollo yeah, Creed. Well, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say you know kind of a big deal to the story you know where we get creed from yeah so yeah it's one of those things where i like in passing and i should go back and watch and i i respect stallone a lot for what he did with the original rocky so um yeah sadly no but it's on the list <laughs> before i die <laughs> may or may not be on our podcast list not saying one way or the other but hey. um, yeah it is impressive that he wrote and like you know directed and um the story about him making that movie and the success of it is like it mirrors like oddly enough a lot of what happens in the first Rocky which is uh makes it all the more kind of like I don't know like notable and and kind of incredible hmm. yeah he was doing softcore porn before uh Rocky <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was the all Italian right. stallion right was yeah, that... <laughs> I don't know if that was his nickname <laughs> in that but that'd be that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway solid. uh well, that's my guilty pleasure. So uh, let's transition to talk about West Side Story, which is a 1961 film directed by Robert Weiss and Jerome Robbins, adapted from a Broadway musical um, from the same title uh, with music by, I know, Stephen Sondheim, and I don't know, Leonard Bernstein, yep, and uh, Arthur Lawrence, which, of course, in and of itself is an adaptation of the Shakespeare play Romeo and Juliet. It stars Natalie Wood, Richard Beamer, Russ Tamblin, Rita Moreno, and George Chakris. Hopefully I'm saying that right, or Chakiris. Um, and yeah, so uh, the plot more or less follows a similar thread of Romeo and Juliet. 
and that you have uh, two star-crossed lovers on opposite sides. Uh, in this case, um, different street gangs. You have the Jets, who are, I guess, more or less what you would call sort of like waspy gang members, if that's the best way to put it. And then, of course, you have the Sharks, who are comprised mostly of Puerto Rican uh, immigrants, although I think at times they kind of imply that there might be a bit of a melting pot even within that uh, that gang as well. And uh, yeah, from there, we have the fateful meeting of the two lovers, which leads to some tensions within the gangs themselves who want to finish off uh, their rival once and for all in a big rumble. As you can imagine it being Romeo and Juliet, some things go wrong, some people die, there's some misunderstandings, and in a culmination of the end of the film, we have our poor lead uh, male love interest, Tony, who passes away uh, at the hands of an angry gang member wishing to avenge one of his fallen comrades. In a change from the play, uh, Maria, the love interest who's kind of the Juliet counterpart, uh, instead gives instead of uh, killing herself or dying herself, um, gives an impassioned speech about hate and kind of points the finger at all of the gang members before the cops whisk away the murderer and fade to black. Um, so hopefully that uh, about covers it. We'll, we'll get into the specifics. Um, is there anything you two would add about the plot there? Trying to quickly go through it because I know we're going to kind of probably talk about uh the the you know beat by beat here in a minute but nope. i think right. that was great all right fantastic got it. uh so as always we'll start with general impressions i believe this is a rare instance where none of us have seen this film so um i'm gonna go opposite of last week and start with will this time will tell me what you thought of west side story uh so i think that. I'll tell you what I do like about it. I like that in some ways, a lot of its subject matter is still very relevant. Unfortunately, still very relevant to today. So in that respect, I think that they did a good job of just showing um, antagonism and prejudice and uh, misogyny very well in this film. Um, the part for me that sort of felt disjointed and kind of cartoonish is that for some subject matter that is so very serious that it's juxtaposed with some very silly, well, I interpret it as silly dancing at the very beginning. I was just like, this just seems so over the top. I mean, the music's great. Don't get me wrong. The music's great. The choreography is awesome. You see guys like basically in sync climbing over like wire fences and stuff like there's some serious work that is being done in, in these performances but i don't know there was something about just the tone of it that it felt like it was trying to play it safe at times and then it was trying to like get really serious like with certain scenes where people get shot or someone almost gets raped or you know and so i was like this is so not necessarily all over the place but i was just sort of like surprised at what they felt like they wanted to push the envelope on and then where they held back at so but overall i enjoyed it i'm glad that i watched it and having actually seen having shakespeare and my history with shakespeare kind of being hit or miss you know having something like romeo and juliet where i was like okay so i understand this part (laughs) i understand where this is supposed to go and i was pleasantly surprised that they didn't completely do romeo and juliet again where not everybody dies at the end so um but overall yeah i liked it how about uh how about you, May? 
Um, I, w- I would agree. I liked it a lot. For me, what really stood out was the costuming. This is partly because mm. I sew as a hobby and I just was obsessed with every single outfit and the bright colors that are used. And um, like they could have done just a very easy, like, all right, we're color coding the sharks this way. We're color coding the jets this way. And they made it, they could have made it very boring, but no, they used full palettes for everyone. Really loved it. Um, that's kind of what stood out to me as well as the choreography even if it is goofy at times. And I'll also say for something from the 60s that does try to address like racism and immigration and sexism, it, it holds up decently. Like, obviously there's like some things that you wouldn't say or do today, but um, it holds up pretty well, I'd say for the time period. And um, I kind of appreciated the disjointedness you mentioned. Well, I'm sure we'll get into it more, but um for me like West Side Story does a great job I think as an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet in really capturing the fact that these are kids Mm -hmm. these are people that have undeveloped brains (laughs) and um really aren't thinking anything through so you have this kind of jarring dissonance between like the innocence of being a kid and like the horrible violence that can happen without even like thinking I largely agree with you. I uh, I suspect the sort of musical shell, uh, uh, you know, or like canvas that this is cast on probably allowed them to talk about some of these more serious issues in a way that maybe would have been more acceptable. That's always kind of been my interpretation of like how you could get away with something like this in the 60s. Uh, in, in some research, I saw that they had to, to change some lyrics here and there or like, you know, slightly alter scenes that were... Uh, not going to make it past the censors, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, but I agree with you. It's a it's both a successful adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, and um, I feel like really ahead of its time, or timely, maybe is a better word. You know, in the '60s, where like the civil rights movement is starting to you know gain traction, probably about this point, and um, <clears throat> really, really just uh, was quite impressed with it. Uh, I I was uh, like you know and it's it's a uh, symptom of the time a little bit. It, it is a little bit um, almost laughable and disappointing that uh, not all of the sharks were like appropriately cast. Shall we say? There's a lot of whitewashing. Yes. Um, yeah. I know Rita Moreno is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> Natalie Wood. Uh, Rita Moreno, I believe, is Puerto Rican. Um, although she shared some anecdotes later in her life about uh, the fact that they made her wear some absurd amounts of like almost mud like makeup because mm. the makeup artists uh thought that that's how she should look and she asked like why like this color and he asked her what are you racist and she was like are you kidding me like um it's a funny little like again sad Jesus. anecdote where you just roll your eyes and go all right um but i do think it's well intentioned you know I, I said i think a lot of that's probably to do with like when this would have been made um would have been probably a little risky at that time to cast unknowns to be sort of more like accurate in terms of ethnicity and things like that. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really liked it. I can't wait to watch the Spielberg version to compare and contrast because mm-hmm. I've heard really good things about that, in particular the performance of Maria in that film. And I kind of want to see how those songs like change. I always like seeing how like people do like musical numbers if uh, there's like multiple versions of a musical. So um yeah, I uh, I did enjoy it though quite a bit. Um, I I don't know why. Go- I mean, this was my obvious, um, obviously my pick for you've never seen, and I don't know why it's taken me this long to watch it. I think I'm slightly resistant to musicals for whatever reason. 
Um, but I am glad that I, I saw it. Speaking of musicals, um, May, what's what was your favorite musical number? Do you have a favorite song in this uh, in this <laughs> this one? I, I kind of wanted to hear that from everybody to start off with. Oh gosh, well I don't remember their names, but um, the one that had the most fun back and forth, e- even if like I don't love all the lyrics, was uh, the one on the roof uh, between the men and the women on the America. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. I would have said it too. (laughs) So we're in agreement then. Yeah. Well, honestly, that's like eighty percent just me loving Rita Moreno. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough about that number they uh the original lyrics were a bit more uh in like the um I, oh what's the word i'm looking for uh they, they kind of ridiculed like the puerto rican people a little bit and they probably a better change for the movie was they wanted to turn it into sort of a indictment of the racism and prejudice and uh it works i think it works really well it's uh it's entertaining obviously and as you said that back and forth like really um it's just it's high energy it's a lot of fun um so that is my pick as well um i'm trying to think the other musical numbers that i knew going into this were tonight you know tonight tonight Mm. and then what was the uh um oh gosh oh i feel pretty those are the only songs that i knew prior to watching this um because they've been referenced i think in other stuff but uh yeah all right um let's talk characters so before i before we get into plot i kind of want to like get kind of get you know the the vegetables where we get in the meat and potatoes here so who was your favorite character in the film yeah truthfully i have to say anita (laughs) she is she's got the most. i feel like she feels the most real to me out of everybody in the film and i really just the way she delivers some of her lines um Rita Moreno uh the the singing and her relationship with her brother and I just I don't know I just really I found her to be the most memorable character in that entire film and that's 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 all I've got I'll make it a short and sweet answer <laughs> oh that's <laughs> great um I I I'd also say Anita, but just to like say someone else, I will um, say anybody. Um, I think that like that's also an interesting change with the new one because I know that this this movie treats anybody as just like a tomboy basically. But I think in the remake, um, they're genderqueer. But mm-hmm. um, I appreciate that despite the fact that the gang clearly doesn't want her, she just is constantly running around and like being the most helpful person <laughs> absolutely she, she gets in between the shadows or whatever she's yeah like... <laughs> yeah anyway i i love her and i i just feel for her because like yeah when you're on the margins and you, you go above and beyond just to like be included and i was like oh yeah i had read i don't know how true this is um i didn't dig deep into that but a lot of people consider that character to be one of the first transgender characters like in i don't know like in the theatrical version that was maybe the implication mm-hmm. um but if that's the case that's really cool but yeah. um but yes that that character was a lot of fun um also loved anytime she popped off and like was wanting to like you know just get tough with the uh, any of the other jets definitely fearless <laughs> uh so for me i'll go um probably doc I liked yeah. Doc as sort of like a um what's like an anchor for all the teenagers and the person that's trying to be the voice of reason. 
and just has some really good moments um particularly towards the end of the film like some some great line delivery and um i guess he's kind of supposed to be like the the priest or whatever in romeo and juliet right or the like the fry whatever that character is that is trying to help them mm-hmm. like get away um and uh so i i appreciated both that like through line and also just um the you know the purpose of that uh that character um a lot um as a side note i had no idea that um until marianne pointed it out um that um Tony is uh, Audrey Horn's dad in Twin Peaks. Hmm. Like, so I don't know if you've ever watched Tr- Twin Peaks, but Wait, uh, really, yeah, she was like the lips, like that's what, that's what it is, is lips, and and I was like, holy shit! Uh, <laughs> and then Russ Tamblin, who plays Riff, like his best friend, um, is Doctor Jacoby in Twin Peaks as well. The guy with like, I recognized the different color. him. I did not yeah. recognize Tony. Wow, wild stories um and he famously i guess hated his performance in this like movie completely because he felt like um he didn't do a good job seesawing between like the serious and like the the fun goofiness so some of that whiplash that will was talking about but Mm. nice um well let's kind of dive into the plot a little bit i'd be interested to hear like what you thought of um of the changes so i mean the most obvious one right is the setting and like the place and sort of the backdrop so we can start there but there's some other really notable changes particularly towards the end of it that i wanted to get into for sure um so what what did you think of new york and this time and place with like these you know um sort of like rival gangs and putting it you know instead of being like feuding houses like obviously getting into um, like you know racial prejudices and stuff do you think it works for the the story well i do i think that um i think it feels more relatable in terms of our current culture to be able to understand sort of the animosity between the two sides versus maybe something like romeo and julie juliet where the houses and dynasties and things of that nature depending on your class structure it probably feels a little bit far removed i mean you can have You've got the what is it the McCoys and the Hatfields yeah. and the Hatfields <laughs> from history that you can you probably still have plenty of descendants, but I feel like in America there's not really too many. There's I guess there are some families, some that may or may not be named on this podcast, but that uh, you might think of. But I don't know. Overall, I feel like just the the prejudice that's in West Side Story is a lot more relatable. Again, and I say this because it's unfortunate, but still very relatable to today. And I, I think in that respect, it you could feel a lot of empathy for the characters for what they have to go through from both sides. Although, I don't know, man, I, it it's hard. when it, I, I guess that can be a follow-up question is like, who do we feel worse for or who do we like not feel so bad about? But um, at least from the general perspective, I think that it's easier to sort of empathize with both sides that way. Yeah, I, I think Will said it better than I could. <laughs> I feel largely the same. Um, also, just because like when you do think of feuding families in America, you think of that as being more of a rural issue, I think, than as a city issue. And yeah. like the play is traditionally set in a city, right? And to modernize it, bring it to America, it does kind of make sense to have it be rival gangs and um i mean they could have gone with the family route you know just like 
rival dawns or something like that. <laughs> 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 oh man, please remake West Side Story as the Godfather or something like that. A Godfather version of West Side Story. Yeah, when did uh, the Godfather come out? Or are they just like, oh, 70, we can't do it? 72. Okay. Yeah, uh, too early. Too early. <laughs> uh, so, no, I, I agree with Will. I think this was a good way to modernize it and make it more um, relatable, sadly. I will yeah. throw in one extra thing, too, Chris, before I, I throw it back to you, that I was reading somewhere that it was originally they were thinking about doing it as Catholics against Jews. I and did see that. Yep. Then it changed because of what they had been reading about recently about teenage gangs. And they were like, let's do this angle instead. So I do think that's interesting that that was the route that they were thinking about going. And they were going to call it the side up. story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anyway, what were you going to say? <laughs> uh, oh, no. I, yeah. I just, um, I, I think great insight um, from both of you in terms of like the, the setting and making it work. I think what I like about it is that um both of the gangs are sort of like in like this lower income sort of bracket right like they're in the same neighborhood right so they're on equal footing there and they occasionally i think like mostly it comes from uh from officer krupke like you, mm. you see that there's even still kind of like prejudice towards the jets it's a little diluted because they've been around like a bit longer you know but they like they've sort of haven't learned the lesson right and um in a way that you would hope maybe that they would in terms of like prejudice right like they've been in the shoes of the sharks maybe they're just a generation or two removed um so i thought that was kind of an interesting element to it as well and it kind of adds to the tragedy a little bit i think that um they have every opportunity to be empathetic and to understand where the sharks are coming from yet like as may pointed out their children they they don't make those connections necessarily um and on it, that uh, note, sorry on the note i forgot to mention when we were talking about dances uh riff's number when he's talking about how psychologically disturbed he is yeah amazing oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i totally missed that the expression the social disease i thought it was like you know something uh more along the psychological like route like no a social disease is like a venereal disease it's like a euphemism for that so that was like completely different misunderstood lyric on my part the first time i heard that number but uh, <laughs> very funny um but yeah i think it adds to the tragedy a little bit and um it deconstructs this like romantic idea of the melting pot a little bit because this is that or like in reality which is Instead of it being like, oh, this like everyone's like blending together to make one culture. It's like, nope, there's a lot of tension and sort of separation um, and the tendency for people to want to stick with their like own kind, as they say. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to jump to the end quite yet, but um, what did you make of uh, oh, I, I really want like one of the my favorite like scenes and like almost every Romeo and Juliet adaptation. I love it in the Baz Luhrmann is the rumble, right? What they call it in this film, which is the, you know, the uh, standoff between Marcuccio and Tybalt, I think, right. If I've mm -hmm. got my characters, yeah. right. I'm trying to like keep two sets in my brain at the same time. And it's harder than you think. <laughs> two cast um, lists. Yes. <laughs> um, what did you think of that, that scene and how it plays out in this? I think it's great. I think it, 
definitely establishes like a good feeling of suspense as they're like coming over the fence on each side. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and like the setting is very spooky because everything has been like above ground up until now and now you're like under this highway and it feels very secluded and you like kind of always trusted Trank or Krupke to show up at every other tense scene and now you're like oh they're probably not going to show up like this is happening yeah. um so it gets very real very fast um it is interesting that the fight choreography is still very much just dance choreography <laughs> yeah like they don't even try to make it look like they connect on blows (laughs) no i imagine uh, most of that or a lot of it was maybe lifted from the broadway musical which would have probably you know been a similar like you could see that that seems like very much a scene that would play out exactly like that on a stage you know where you have a scene changeover and then just like boop yeah I found myself feeling, and this is going to be a, a random comparison, but I really found myself feeling like Riff looked a lot like a young William Shatner and duking it out in like an episode of 60s Star Trek. Like that, <laughs> to me, watching that <laughs> choreography was like, this is like Kirk fighting the Gorn. And it's, <laughs> and so for a minute, I just sort of like disassociated myself with what was going on and then came back into it like, okay, yeah. But I, um, yeah, I agree with what May said. I like the uh, I like the tone that it set. I like the. I'm just really impressed with the guys climbing over the fence, man. Like that to me. Like how many times <laughs> you had to get that take correct and synced up and all that. Like that. Uh, yeah, I want to be like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and you kind of knew. I mean, like you were it, for the the beats that felt like they lined up with Romeo and Juliet. You're like, okay, so you you know what's going to happen and probably what's going to happen. I um I guess for me it was just sort of like that shock factor about when Tony, you know, kills Bernardo and you're like, well shit, like <laughs> how's he gonna explain that to Maria later? Like, how's that gonna go over it? I thought, mm, the... and how are, how is this gonna recover from like the tone that we've had up until that point? And now it's sort of like, you know, I was really curious to see what was going to happen after and the tone of the 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 songs that were going to come and so that I I appreciated it for what it was but I thought it was such an interesting moment in the film just based on the sort of the the emotion that I'd felt leading up to that if that makes sense. I'm glad they didn't follow the the formula of the show which was they put a couple of funnier numbers after that because they oh. wanted to cheer the audiences up so like officer krepke that song um comes after that fight in the stage production and i think that like they made the right decision in the film like i think there's got to be a tonal shift there for me personally i like it better kind of staying serious and you can kind of you can feel the energy shift from that point to the rest of the movie I like the shock look of Bernardo, like where it's like he's been trying to stab him, but like I don't think like it registers until like the knife goes in and you know he's just like he's like looking down at his knife. And it again to go back to what May said about the, them being children, like they just mm-hmm. the consequences don't register until it's too late. Then you see that take a toll on some of the other, you know, jets, uh, in particular. Is it, uh, oh, what's his name? Let me go to my list. Is it, uh, is it Arab? It's, uh, B- Baby John, I think. Baby John. Okay. I was like, what's well, one of them? Um, I lost track of the some kid of the... that gets a cut on his cheek, right? That's who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. 
so you can kind of see um the emotional toll that seeing that uh takes on on some of the gang members and yet you know <laughs> most of them just go right on wanting to to fight so and it kind of seems to awaken something in them too right because like i mean the the there's also a kind of stark difference in how the jets and the sharks like treat the women that are part mm. of them and they're singing neither yeah. are great both are rather sexist just in different ways and um mm. this is like the first moment after the fight when they're actually like you know going after anita and like very clearly trying to rape her and it just feels like there's kind of a like i don't know social limit that has just been crossed and they're just going to keep crossing it until obviously the final tragedy happens well uh since you you brought it up i do want to talk about that uh the scene um with anita uh, because I think it's a really interesting kind of catalyst for what happens. So she goes with the intent of trying to help Tony down at Doc's store. And then, uh, as you've already alluded to, is is cornered, pushed around. And then, like, as much as they could have gotten away with in the 60s, like, it's implied that they were trying to sexually assault her, right? Uh, and then Doc, of course, stops it, which then kind of... Um, leads to her exiting and blurting out that Maria is dead. Um, and I want to ask you guys a couple of things about that, but that's the catalyst for the rest of the movie, which, you know, of course leads to Tony's tragic death. Um, do you think her intent is to just like hurt Tony's like feelings, or do you think she's laying a trap for him? Like maybe like subconsciously knowing that the sharks are out, like looking for him. Like, I went back and forth on this a little bit. I think either way, like she's very justified in the moment to like, be angry and to want to stir up a little bit of trouble for lack of a better word or phrase. Uh, but what do you guys think about that? I don't think she was necessarily leaving a trap, but I, I, I do think it was just to be as well, rightfully so. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm on her side, man. I think those guys are assholes. And so, yeah, I mean, it, the fact that Tony killed her brother, and the fact that she's trying to help her friend out, which I got to say, if I was her, I wouldn't have even tried to walk in the store and get as far as she did. Like, it would have been just like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> well, well <laughs> you know? uh, Bernardo's yeah. her, like, lover, right? It's it's Maria's brother and her... I'm sorry, yeah, I, I, I apologize. Yeah, I'm no, 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 my, it's See, okay. I'm getting my characters mixed up. Yeah, so, I know, you know, I know. <laughs> kill, kills, kills her boyfriend and... Uh, and yeah, I just I thought I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even gotten that far. I would have just said, you know, you guys are you're horrible people and I'm I'm not even going to try and and step into this this mess and uh but for her to do that, I think that I think while it is vengeful, I don't think that it was anything to set up a specific trap for later. Yeah. So, I don't even think it was vengeful necessarily. I think part of it is what I mentioned before with how the Jets and the Sharks treat women differently. Like with mm -hmm. um the Sharks, they're very protective of the women they're dating or, you know, related to. But the the women also don't have very much freedom in terms of like choosing someone. Like Bernardo set up his sister with his friend and she had no choice in that. Um mm -hmm. flip side, the women and the Jets have presumably a lot more freedom, but they're also kind of taken advantage of, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
when Anita sees just how terribly the deaths treat women, she's suddenly very afraid for Maria and mm. does not want her going anywhere near any of them after what did ha- just happened to her. So I see it as her protecting Maria and not fully thinking through the consequences and what that might drive Tony to do. Yeah, I definitely like landed on it ends up being a misunderstanding because that feels like the most Shakespearean thing or like sort of like the tragic accident, you know, breakdown in communication, whatever. Like, um, but I really like that change of like that's sort of the catalyst for what leads us to the the climax of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, because it makes like what happens all the more heartbreaking because you get the reunion briefly, and the fact that it is the arranged like fiance chino who was the one that shoots tony there's a lot of layers to it that i think just worked really really well for me um you know but uh but i i was really fond of that change in particular um just the that because it's like well how do you update you know the the misunderstanding that leads to the tragedy and romeo and juliet does something like this so i think having that one-two punch of a very brutal scene where somebody is almost like you know, sexually assaulted, um, and, you know, and then like to follow it up with somebody sort of blurting something out to to protect somebody that they love that leads to like the the deaths and everything is just like well, um, well written and, and sort of like constructed to to continue that modernization, I guess. Uh, how about the ending of the film? What did, what did you think of sort of that final, you know, confrontation and then Maria's speech? and uh sort of like how everything kind of comes to a a head um i like how it kind of toys with the audience expectations because most people go into this knowing romeo and juliet and expecting her to kill herself or to get killed um obviously it's already already been kind of subverted by the fact romeo is shot by someone else he doesn't kill himself um But when she's waving that gun around at people and then talking about shooting herself, you're thinking, oh, God, (laughs) this is coming. Um, And so there's a lot of tension during her speech because you're waiting to see what happens at the end of it. And I think the speech is correct. I think she's right to blame everyone standing around for what happened. Um, And I think given the speech, it feels right that she does end up dropping the gun and changing her mind because it's kind of her ending the cycle of violence yes i agree (laughs) (laughs) i um yeah i was pleasantly surprised that it didn't end in tragedy because i sort of expected it to i sort of figured that it's kind of the same off of what may was saying that either she would shoot herself or that krupke would show up and might shoot her or that something else might happen between everybody that was there some sort of confrontation and I, yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised that A, that it didn't happen and B, that she is the person to kind of point out like all of the tragedy that's happened up till now and that everybody is at fault. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very understandably as it is a tragedy uh, to end on that note as it's as the camera pans out and everybody sort of slowly walks off stage or walks off out of the scene. And uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was very well done um as unfortunate as it is but i was glad to see that uh that maria does make it out it also feels so shakespearean in that you often have that character that gives the final soliloquy that kind of puts a bow Mm -hmm. around everything so i appreciated it for that just again being 
in keeping with the spirit of of what it is, which is an adaptation of a work of Shakespeare. Uh, I'm with you. I had no idea. Like uh, somehow I've avoided all sort of spoilers. So everything that happened in this movie was a surprise for me. Um, I was also very, very surprised that she did not die. Um, so I went from like, oh, she's going to shoot herself. Oh, there's an Ellie dog on. The, if this is <laughs> what you're missing out on, <laughs> if you don't watch on YouTube, you're missing Aww. an adorable dog. Um, but yeah, like, uh, and then you you saying like, oh, is she going to get shot by the authority? I'm like, yeah, she's waving a gun around. There's a dead body. Like that seemed like a very real possibility. And it's kind of how our brains, I think, are, are wired um, now, like with, you know, um, just decades uh of anecdotal evidence of that being something that happens you know <laughs> a lot yeah. um i what the one thing that i i was like also surprised about like kind of re the ending and like how things normally play out and this is like like doc he's got a drugstore i was like oh he's gonna make the little concoction and i kept looking yeah. for that and so i was glad that they uh they didn't necessarily go that route it was cool it's almost like a little red herring in a way i think or maybe mm-hmm. just a little tip of the hat to like how things go in the uh in the, the original work i was totally expecting the same thing i was i was thinking they're going to take some medicine like just steal something off the counter and just like take way too much of it so yeah the modern yep. apothecary yeah 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 indeed yeah um well anything anybody wants to add to um west side story before we kind of button it up I'll although i don't like as- Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> you go. Fault. You go. No, no, no. no. I'll, I'll remember it. Go for it. <laughs> I'm just going to say, as much as I appreciate it as a piece of art and a piece of art that seems ahead of its time, I will say, like, yeah, the drawingness did make it, like, not super pleasant to watch necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the ending just being like, wow, that was a bummer. <laughs> yeah it it does feel almost like uh like there's a few movies that are like precursors to like new hollywood i feel like lawrence of arabia is one that comes to mind where it's made in the 60s where you know that's more of an epic than obviously like a tragedy but where you have sort of a non-conventional ending or story structure or things like that and i I think you could squeeze this one in there like it does push the envelope in a lot of ways like um it's not a sound of music we'll put it that way you know (laughs) (laughs) the only other thing i was just going to add was just uh apparently uh, even though i don't like the character of ice i feel like his his whole thing about just be cool (laughs) you guys just need to calm down (laughs) don't stir up trouble (laughs) should have been something that was uh a topic for discussion way earlier in this film but i digress anyway yeah i don't think uh again they're not connecting all the dots there like you could use the same mentality like about confrontation you know as well as like not snitching uh, by the way like yep be cool man just be cool yeah it's true all right i just have one last piece of trivia and that is the um guy that is the dance master of ceremonies is uh sean astin's father in real life that is his daddy so if you knew samwise you know Gamgee, Rudy, whatever character you want to pick, yeah. one of the Goonies, Mikey, I think, in the Goonies, but yeah. <laughs> um, so that is his dad. Thought that was interesting. All right. Well, let's um, go from the tragedy uh, on the street of New York to a little keyword countdown to cheer us up, shall we? <laughs> Hopefully, not a tragedy Woo! on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> nope, bow, bow, definitely bow. not. 
<laughs> hey, I don't know. As long as I get one on the board, man, I'm good. <laughs> I say it every time, but it's true. That's all I need. That's all the I... self-affirmation I need. <laughs> I would be shocked if all five of these movies go unguessed. Like, if any of the five of these movies go unguessed. Okay. We'll talk about it after. You underestimate uh, my ignorance, Chris. Well... I cannot sit comment more, but I think you'll agree by the time we get to the end. So who's ready? Let's do it. All right. Film number one. I'm actually going to scoot this over so I can still see your beautiful faces. There we go. All right. Clue number one. Film number one. Lifting someone into the air, which is one of my favorites. Dirty dancing. Always a good guess for that one, but nope. (laughs) Uh shit <laughs> it is like not dirty shit. dancing one i know yeah that would be a great title right and we'll see if we can make that movie happen um lifting somebody into the air i'll have to come back i apologize i would have said dirty dancing too so. no can problem I do too, guesses yeah yeah the lion king also good but nope nice <laughs> Does Clue number two. Lions? <laughs> <laughs> Based on a Shakespearean story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. All right. Clue number two. Uh, independent film. You know what? I'm just going to go out there and say Rocky. <laughs> Good guess, too. But no, that's not, yep. not, not the one. <laughs> Star Wars. It's not Star Wars. All right. Clue number three. <laughs> falling out a window. Falling out a window. Okay. Clue number four. Knitting needle. Knitting needle. Halloween. It is Halloween. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> nice job. Nice. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points for me. Nice. I Your only remaining got that because that was one of our October picks. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Myers deep. lifting people up, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your remaining clues were Urban Gothic, Sororicide, which is a cool word, Famous Score, Serial Killer, Babysitting, and boogeyman hell of a and I, this is a clue that you can click on and see other movies but hell of a clue number one for this next one. Oh, i guess i should say for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with keyword countdown this is a game that we have uh, graciously been allowed to borrow from our friends at rkg it is a game created by gavin murphy and uh, as you saw in our first example there i read clues um, more obscure to less obscure from you know one to ten and they're uh, lifted directly from imdb.com in the plot keyword section and my co-host will try to guess the movie the earlier they guess it in the listing the more points they get so should have explained that at the top but now you have an example to go off of and there you go all right so here's your second film and I love this first clue here. Bare-chested male bondage is your first clue. <laughs> you can click on that and see multiple movies that have that keyword. Is that B-A-R-E or B-E-A-R? Great question. B-A-R-E. Great, <laughs> <laughs> <All right>, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Wedding crashers. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 
I guess it depends on your definition of bondage, but George of the Jungle? <laughs> that is not the one. Okay. Uh, I haven't Hot. seen that in a while, but it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. So clue number two is pinching someone's cheeks. <laughs> Which cheeks? You have to wait for the rest of the clues to find out. <laughs> making this movie sound way kinkier than it is. <laughs> a Christmas story. <laughs> not. It's not that. <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> All right. Next clue. Red carpet. Red carpet. All right, next clue. Knock on the head. Knock on the head. I have no idea. I don't think this fits the first clue, but life aquatic. Um, It's not that one, but I think somebody gets knocked on the head in that, but it's not that film. Yeah. It's a banger, though. But. <laughs> All right. Your next clue is falling downhill. Falling downhill. Oh, is this Princess Bride? It is Princess <laughs> Bride. Neener, neener, neener. That's six points for I'm Mr. Rotondi. Your I'm favorite movie of, of all time. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> I intentionally threw in some uh, curveballs there. Uh, your next clues would have been story within a story, final words, revenge, giant, and true love. Jesus. Nice grandpa. job, Will. So it is six points for Will, seven points for May. Anybody's Please. game. Nice job. Touche. Thank you. <laughs> All right. New film. Clue number one. Hit on the head with a gun. You're really into the head trauma. This. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I did it just for you. <laughs> no, it's actually just kind of a coincidence. Hmm. I'm just going to throw out random movies and hopefully something will stick. I don't even remember sure. half the ones where somebody gets pistol whipped, but I'm just going to say Goodfellas just because. That would fit the bill, but it's not that. I'm glad that happened in there because I didn't remember that, but I figured somebody probably got hit with a gun. Oh, yeah. Uh, Multiple and a lot of other in. things. <laughs> All right. Clue number two, mouth to mouth resuscitation. Hmm. All right. Clue number three, reference to Cary Grant. Okie doke. Clue number four, kitchen fire. Kitchen fire. John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad, but no. Invisible man. (laughs) Clue number five, reference to Silver Surfer. What? Is this like Reservoir Dogs or something? I feel like this is Tarantino now. We're 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 going into some sort of Tarantino movie. Lou, <laughs> um, number six, child's birthday party. Wait. <laughs> All Did they talk about Cary Grant in Parasite? 
<laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Pulp Fiction? Nope. Next clue, Jack Russell Terrier. Oh shit. Is this um uh uh um it's not uh um nope uh, uh, <laughs> uh crimson time five seconds it is crimson time <laughs> i was like it's the movie i wanted to watch that <laughs> uh, is five points for mr will rotondi good uh, job well done i love how it's the movies we chose that we don't fucking know what it is <laughs> is it is it you still I, got I it oh uh, so your remaining clues were underwater scenes, <laughs> cigar smoking, and then Navy submarine. But like it takes a few, and then we're both like right, we have four that moment where you can see it, well, like, like you can see correction. the recognition, and you're like, wait, no, I chose this movie. <laughs> <laughs> slight <laughs> correction. So Will has ten points, May has seven. So that was four in that, but nice. nicely done. So two films left to go. Yeah, you got this. Bench. You're I believe in you. next. Uh, clue number one for the next film is reference to Lady Macbeth. Throne of Blood. <laughs> it is not. If only. <laughs> if <I> th- only. <laughs> nope, it is not. I have to say the obvious ones now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Man. Clue number two talking to oneself in the mirror. Okay, clue number three. Welcome home party. Welcome home party. Die hard. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> yeah, it's like every movie that we've watched. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> which, are... which one does this line up with? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome home party. Uh, I will not write you look up our list. <laughs> I we've, will not cheat. <laughs> we've watched so many movies now. It's hard. Yeah. Um, did wait, so was that did I say clue? I'm making sure I didn't skip one. I said missing earring, right? No. Nope. Okay. So we'll just we'll call that clue number four, missing missing earring. Mm. All righty. Your next clue is acceptance speech. All right. Next clue. Metafiction. Metafiction. I'm just drawing blanks. Yeah, this makes me truly second guess myself as knowing (laughs) anything about movies when I clearly this is a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Next clue. Character name and title. Can we do a recap of clues? Sure. Reference to Lady Macbeth, talking to oneself in the mirror, missing earring, welcome home party, acceptance speech, metafiction, character name, and title. All right. Clue number eight. Jealous girlfriend. 
Well, <laughs> this next one should be a gimme. Clue number nine, social climber. Oh, uh, all about Eve. It's all yeah. about Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Two points for Will. So I knew I'm, it. I just couldn't at, remember the name. <laughs> uh, at this point, we have figured out the theme, I hope. Yes. Um, yes. These are all films that we have watched on Screen Quest as part of our first year. So going into the final film, that will 12 points, May with seven. So here we go. Final film, still all to play for. Clue number one, Skateboard. Okay, clue number two, weightlifting. Clue number three, tragic ending. Clue number four, sheriff. No country for old men. Good guess. That's not the one. (laughs) Why do I not remember what we watched? I don't (laughs) Clue number five. You're going fast on these, buddy. (laughs) Well, uh, okay. Okay. I'll slow it down. (laughs) Can you recap them, please? Skateboard. Weightlifting. Tragic ending. Sheriff. Clue number five. Grandfather, grandson relationship. Uh, Christmas vacation. (laughs) Yay. Clue number six, embarrassment. Plenty of that right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next clue, sandwich. This is Troll 2. It is Troll <laughs> 2. <laughs> uh, I, again, uh, red herrings all around. It made it sound like a very serious movie for the first, like, several, like, tragic ending. It, it did. And stuff. I had to make it harder, okay? Like, <laughs> wait, so Troll 2 believe... doesn't have a tragic ending. They win. They win in the, the end. IMDB plot keywords say otherwise. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I honestly oh don't God. remember what happens. Uh, maybe there's like a last minute scare like they do in like horror movies. I don't remember. But um, remaining clues would have been um, unintentionally funny goblin sequel in name only. <laughs> I would like to think I would have gotten it off goblin. <laughs> <laughs> So by my well played, well played, Will. You have the the far better memory. 
It's a big not by well. much, man, but you're kind to say so. I felt like I had dementia. So <laughs> I love I, I was so worried that that was going to be like a little too easy once you caught on to like what I was doing. So I'm happy that it was still just as competitive as always. Um, well done, both of you, though. Sorry Thank to you. play a trick on you on a Sunday afternoon. It's OK. It's fine. There's Our... plenty of opportunities for revenge. Absolutely. Uh... Ooh. Well, let's draw our next main quest and skedaddle, shall we? Yes, please. Okay. It is going to be a time machine. And hold while I find what the film is because I didn't put this or have it uh, pulled up, the spreadsheet pulled up. So that's my bad. And oh my goodness, the way things work out on this podcast. So this will be my third and final selection. Mm-hmm. And it is another musical, my favorite musical of the classic Hollywood era, Singing in the Rain. Aww. Singing in the Rain, which if you've not seen, is a treat. It's all about the kind of birth of talkies and the death of the silent film and how things change and talk about great choreography and some of the best musical numbers ever uh one that i genuinely do love so decidedly like more lighthearted than west side story but i think it's the greatest hollywood musical of all time we'll see if you guys agree when we talk about it next week have either of you seen it before no i'm excited all right Fantastic. i have and it is good you have okay wonderful yeah. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you both for joining me as always. You can follow us on at ScreenQuest Pod on Twitter. Of course, we occasionally release film polls and for the first time ever have a Google form that you can fill out if you would like to submit your own nomination for either a side quest or a main quest. We will include that link on this week's episode description and maybe even send out a separate tweet so that you can engage with the show that way. There's even a place for you to check a box if you would like to potentially be a host in the event that your film is polled, if you nominate a film for a main quest. But until next week, we love you. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. I feel pretty and witty and gay.